Thank you for listening to the Servants of Christ Jesus podcast. Today's episode features Father John Ignatius, Father James Claver, and Brother Peter Xavier as they share about the Christmas and Easter octave celebrations of the Servants of Christ Jesus. To learn more about the Servants of Christ Jesus, please visit scjesus.org. Hi, and welcome to the Servants of Christ Jesus podcast. I'm Edward Lugo, the project manager for the Servants of Christ Jesus. And today on the podcast, we have Father John, Father James, and Brother Peter. Hello, everyone. Here we are. Hello, Hello Edward. <laughs> Father John, would you begin by explaining what the subject of the podcast is today? Today we're going to be talking about um, octaves in the liturgical year and how servants of Christ Jesus observe and celebrate um, octave celebrations. Excellent. Could you also explain what an octave is, specifically you know, what the meaning of the name octave is and what the purpose of an octave is? Well, in, in music, an octave... Um, designates uh, the kind of the eight notes from one note to another note, um, but up um, a scale. And in the, so octave is like an octagon, it's derived from the word eight. An octave is the eight days of celebration um, of two major feasts in the contemporary calendar of Catholics, the, uh, the nativity of our Lord and the resurrection of our Lord. So it's the eight days of celebrating from uh, Easter to um, the second Sunday of Easter or Divine Mercy Sunday, and then from December 25th, the Nativity, all the way to January 1st, the octave of Christmas. And what's the purpose of, I mean, we'll get into this, I'm sure, a lot more, but could you give a general purpose of why do why does the church celebrate octaves? Uh, the feasts are too big to, fill, to, to fit into just one single day, and so there's this overflowing um, repetition Repetition helps to not only deepen the sense of the mystery, but extend the celebration of the mystery. And so there's this uh, there's this extension of Easter uh, for eight Sundays in in the springtime, and this uh, extension of the Nativity for um, at least eight days. You know, in the uh, in the celebration of Christmas, and so um, repetition, deepening, extension, um, uh, togetherness, uh, family community, it, uh, it's almost as if uh, these two mysteries are too great to fit into uh, just one day. And so there's this extension um, of a week, which is uh, uh, from the Bible and from the ways the Jews celebrated their major feast days as well. Something I, I think that's important is uh, for Catholics, and I believe for Jews as well, when they celebrate a feast, it's as if not just that they're remembering okay, this is Jesus' birthday or this is the day that we commemorate the resurrection, but it's actually a reliving of and representing of the past. In other words, we enter into this this again, which is really what the Mass is. It is the, the cross on Calvary represented to us in our time. And so the idea is when we celebrate Christmas, when we celebrate Easter, we're not just remembering what happened, but we're reliving and re-experiencing, which is to say... You know, when a baby is born, you are celebrating not just the day of the birth, but you're celebrating with the family for days and weeks following. The same thing with the resurrection of this isn't just the one-time celebration of Jesus first rises from the dead. It's this new celebration that continues as it's being passed on and shared with all of the, the subsequent disciples. So I think that's the kind of the mind 
the mindset of our liturgical seasons are kind of the start of this celebration, which continues and doesn't just go back to normal after the first day of Christmas or Easter. Father John, you mentioned scripture. Are any of you aware of the biblical foundations for octaves in scripture? And can you share them with us? Well, there's at least three feasts um, that the Jews celebrated for uh, for a week at a time, the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Hanukkah, and the Feast of Booze, or also called the Feast of Tabernacles. And so, um, if I'm not mistaken, it, at least Passover was a pilgrimage feast um, that the sacrifice and the celebration of Passover would uh, begin in the evening, and then for seven more days after the evening uh, sacrifice and feast, there was this feast of unleavened bread that went for a week. And so so it begins with a solemn assembly, it ends with a solemn assembly, and there's these days of feasting and uh, celebration in between. Um, Hanukkah is probably the most well-known because of the the lights and the gifts and the the dreidel that the that uh, Hebrew children would play uh, with, and and there was um, the lighting of a different candle for each of the eight days of Hanukkah, and then the Feast of Booths also lasted for a week. So, in Leviticus twenty-three, it talks about you know the first day of booths being a, a holy convocation, doing no laborious work. And then there's these uh, seven days of, of sacrifices. And then on the eighth day, you hold a holy uh, convocation and present an offering by fire to the Lord. It is a solemn assembly. You shall do no laborious work. And so there's this um, replication of almost creation of taking a week and then the eighth day being another an, uh, kind of an extra day uh, of rest and solemn assembly. Uh, the eighth day being being a new beginning, a new, uh, a fresh beginning, and so, so uh, booths and uh, Passover and Hanukkah were three Jewish feasts, and then actually in our Catholic calendar we've reduced the number of octaves. If memory serves, there was both an octave of of Pentecost, um, where Pentecost was celebrated for eight days, and then recently I was um, reading. Um, a story of a saint where it was talking about the octave of all saints, and um, so uh, so apparently our calendar used to have many more octaves than it does just it does right now, uh, where we only have left the uh, octave of the resurrection, the octave of the nativity. Now I'd like to ask you guys about how the church celebrates octaves, and then also about how the servants celebrate octaves, which I'm sure is what what most people would be listening for. So. For how the church celebrates octaves, you mentioned there's two that the church celebrates now, Christmas and then Easter. What, how are those unique from each other in terms of liturgically, how the church celebrates those octaves? Well, both Christmas and Easter are unique. Um, Christmas, these are days set aside that uh, there is a glory every day at Mass um, because the church has fasted from the gloria during um, all of Advent with the exception of the major solemnities. Um, and feast days in that season. So there is this kind of every day there is the Gloria. Um, also during Christmas, you have uh, corresponding feast days. So on the 26th is uh, St. Stephen, the first martyr of the church. The 27th is the Apostle St. John is celebrated. The 28th, the Feast of the Holy Innocents is celebrated. And that concludes with um, Mary, Mother of God on January 1st, which is the solemnity that previously uh, used to celebrate the circumcision of Jesus on the eighth day. 
Um, that is different than Easter. Easter is such that um, those days are so holy and uh, kind of the highest they can possibly be such that any other feast day that's during that time gets kind of trumped over as what is called just Wednesday of the octave of Easter or Monday of the octave of Easter, um, that you have the kind of the same celebration of uh, Easter Sunday every day for eight days with a Gloria and, and so forth. So in the octave of Christmas, you're celebrating individual saints' feast days in the octave. In the octave of Easter, you're basically just celebrating Easter every day. That's correct. Now, what about the servants of Christ Jesus? How, what do octaves look like for the servants of Christ Jesus? Specifically, you know, what's different between the Christmas octave and the Easter octave, and how do you guys celebrate them? So for the Christmas octave, which is actually coming up for us, um, it's one of my favorite times during the year because, you know, as servants, if guys who come and visit our community, you see a lot of times uh, the laboring for the kingdom that happens a lot and you don't see um, as much of the intentional brotherhood that is a gift during the octaves and so during Christmas the octave that the w- one of the ways that we celebrate is just it there is a there is an intentionality of rest but it's rest with the community rather than just going off and doing our own things we have time for brotherhood we have time of um, also like I said rest so you get to sleep in so if after finals and seminary and apostolates and all these things that's all put on hold during the uh, kind of Christmas break and especially heading into the octave so there's no work that's done it's all just it's all just the focus of we've labored together all year long and so now we're just going to spend time together and be together as brothers what about Easter's that is there anything different between the Christmas octave and Easter octave yeah, usually the Easter octave, we're still in the, it's kind of the middle of the semester. So time-wise, it would be very hard for us to kind of like take off time off of work. So um, there's kind of feasting and so forth, but uh, it's not as if like with Christmas, where it's just kind of a staycation where we stay at home and, and don't work and kind of enjoy time together. So um, Easter has its own kind of feasting to it, but there's not anything where we're taking time off together. How is an octave different from an extended Sabbath? Can you, like, what do you guys do, especially during the Christmas octave? You talked a lot about brotherhood. Like, what do you guys do specifically to celebrate brotherhood and one another during the octave of Christmas? Yeah, I mean, every single Sunday, or well, I guess for us, since we're doing ministry on Sundays, every Saturday we're trying to do a Sabbath. And um, during that time, there is a portion of it that's kind of devoted towards being with the brothers. Um, but I mean, there's travels that are going on during the year and so things just happen. But really, like I was saying, during the octave, it's a time of intentional time. That was redundant. It is a intentional time with the brothers of just fostering community, really. It, it's just being together, whether that's, we'll play board games most days, if not every day. Uh, during the octave, we'll go out and uh, sometimes we'll play either mini golf. We have actually done laser tag recently last year, which was a lot of fun. Um, it's also good too, because, you know, so we're, we're in a season of feasting and celebration. So the guys who are normally doing dinner dishes and cooking dinner, they get a break in order for the sake of them being able to spend more time with the brothers. So we'll, we'll tend to like go out to eat, uh, maybe once a day during the octave or once every other day or whatever it is. I don't know what it is. I don't really keep count. Yeah. And also too, if there's and it's some something that's kind of unique to 
is if if somebody is cooking a meal there tends to be more more than one person in the kitchen at that time so the community will kind of like pitch in together so we're actually cooking the meals together so really anything that we do there's just an emphasis on being together and there's intentionality in that direction frequently people will give us gift cards and during the course of the octave it's kind of like the end of the year and so we'll use up the gift cards that people have given us and so we'll be able to go out to eat and kind of use them all up during the course of the week which is always kind of nice just to have a break and to be able to go out and celebrate in a, in a festive way in a different sort of way so because octaves occur immediately following a period of fasting and penance you know like for you guys advent is a time of fasting and penance lent obviously is a time of fasting and penance have you guys noticed a need in kind of your feasting during an octave to like step back and not feast so much or to moderate your feasting in terms of uh, celebrating because you're kind of switching from one, especially with Lent, from one extreme to another? Um, That's up to each man in the community, but I know that I have to pace myself both with Easter and with Christmas. Fasting during um, Lent and fasting during Advent gives a certain intentionality and uh, limits to the flesh. And then with Easter and with Christmas, when those exterior limits disappear, um, it's not hard to uh, graze and it's not hard to uh, fill up. And then it's not hard to feel like you've overdone it, at least uh, at least for me. So, uh, so there is an intentionality, but the intentionality is not a, uh, I think it's common in that every man's aware of it, but it's not common in the limits that we have. Unlike, uh, unlike other times of the year, it's uh, a nonstop feasting and snacking for um, as much as each man discerns for his own uh, joy, his own celebration, and his own health as well. I think the thing about um, both the octaves of Christmas and Easter is because they follow the season of fasting, when you finally get to um, enjoy those things again that you've given up, it tastes better and it's more enjoyable. And so you're very easily kind of satisfied and, and filled up, as Father John said. And so um, there is kind of this sense of moderation to it, but it also brings about this like, oh, it's nice to have uh, a beer again, or it's nice to have steak again when you haven't had it in a while. And I think that's that's one of the great joys of the octave and of the celebration is the the... The fasting actually enhances the feasting, I would say. I'm still 24, so I still have the appetite of a 24-year-old, um, which means first day, after, especially in the octave of Easter, um, after, you know, doing the great fast, which we've already talked about on the podcast, you, you don't have dairy, you don't have meat, you don't have eggs, you don't have alcohol, you don't have desserts, and oils. I forgot that one too, which is probably the hardest one is oils. Everything's just put in front of you, so you're just like, oh, I just want a little bit of everything. And then I just want a little bit of everything again. And then you have like your meal, right? And you're like, oh, now it's dessert time. And it's funny because I feel like though you need both in like fasting and feasting, sometimes it almost feels like I learn more temperance in my times of feasting than I do in my times of fasting. Because there is like an active engagement with my appetite rather than just a total um, renunciation of my appetite, which is needed at times, right? So like to cultivate that virtue of temperance. But I think we also kind of like 
elaborating more what does it mean to feast well what does it mean to fast well like in order to feast well i have to like be actively engaging my appetite and like knowing well what is the virtuous choice here and now because it's not just to say no and it's not always just to say yes because you'll find that after the first day of feasting it's not um it's not just to say yes yeah so i think it's really it, it really is almost sometimes it feels like more of an opportunity to cultivate virtue when we're feasting in that way Brother Thomas suggested that I ask you guys, what is one thing that you look forward to about the, about the octaves every year? I think um, uh, Brother Peter already mentioned uh, how generous our community is, how um, much we labor for the kingdom, especially for the octave of Christmas. Um, no appointments, no ministry, no distractions just uh, just rest and recreation and uh, feasting for the octave. And so, so there really is this uh, resting and this um, recreation that, uh, that is paramount. It's like uh, God has spoiled us with the incarnation and nativity of his son, and now God's spoiling us in, uh, in taking over the labors for the next eight days. God can keep the universe running and the servants can take a break. Um, and not like we run the universe, but there is this kind of like uh, responsibility that we, um, that we let go of and we, uh, and we, and we take a well-deserved, uh, well-deserved break. And so, so I think the, uh, the absence of other things so that we can be present to God, the absence of other uh, commitments so that we can be present to each other, there's just a uh, there's just a a joyful spoiling that the Lord does uh, with us and for us, um, individually and as a community, in uh, um, in the octave of Christmas. That's uh, really just kind of like a, a downtime before revving up before uh, before the New Year's. Um, I would say the e- the Easter octave is um, is a tremendous. It's springtime. It's also in the middle of things. It's in the middle of a semester. It's in the middle of um, different uh, different projects that are going on, and so there's not that like uh, pause and halt uh, like there is at at the end of the year at Christmas time. Even if there is kind of this uh, entering into joy and feasting and uh, and celebration and Alleluia, 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 over and over again, um, the Lord is spoiling us in the resurrection. And the timing of the resurrection is in the midst of a, a little bit busier of a season than the end of the uh, calendar year. I think as Father John highlighted, the the biggest thing being that um, we can be very work-oriented and we can be so task-oriented where whether it's a matter of doing ministry and putting on a retreats or putting things together or whether it's taking care of various obligations, um, the gift of being with one another for the sake of just celebration and the fact that the celebration is centered in the Lord of why am I feasting so much? Well, because the Lord has risen from the dead or because the Lord has been born that there's this celebration of the Lord. And because of that, my uh, life is reflecting that in some way. And so being able to spend that time together is, uh, is so, so enjoyable. And I can honestly say some of the most memorable days in community is during the octave of Christmas where we're doing stuff that we definitely do not ordinarily do, like um, go play putt-putt golf or frisbee golf or uh, laser tag, as Brother mentioned. It's something that's so out of the ordinary that it just becomes really memorable. And it's always a a time that I think we all look forward to the most. I might also say about the octave of Christmas. Um, I think one of the reasons I enjoy the octave of Christmas so much is because of the... um, 
the visual reinforcement of Christmas tree and Christmas decorations and Christmas lights on the outside of the house. The, uh, the house is more decorated at Christmas than probably any other time of the year. And then whether the brothers like it or not, I'm always putting the Christmas music on. And we don't usually have music playing around the house. It's, uh, um, but we, we, we sing music. We sing praise and worship, you know, through, and we sing the hymns, you know. But at Christmas, we have kind of like the recorded Christmas carols that are playing in the background. And I think there's something just about the, um, the senses that are, that are reinforced. In addition to the food of Christmas, there's the, the lights, the decorations, the teamwork of uh, putting the decorations up and enjoying them, um, and also the, the nativity scene. I, could, I guess I could wish, you know, that the octave of Easter would have like a little uh, empty tomb scene and maybe some kind of like interior decorations and, and uh, Easter carols like there are Christmas carols. But, but Christmas definitely has um, both a, a spiritual joy, a communal joy, uh, an, active, uh, an active participation in community together, as well as all of these uh, exterior reminders and reinforcements that, uh, that are just really um, sensibly consoling uh, to remind us of the great gift of Christ's nativity. Yeah, and it's just, I was reflecting on this podcast. It was just funny because growing up, I feel like mo- more Catholics today are familiar with like ABC families, 25 days for Christmas rather than the actual octave of Christmas itself. You know, like ABC Family every single year. I don't even think there is ABC Family anymore, but they used to do this thing growing up where like every day for 25 days leading up to Christmas from December 1st through, um, they play a Christmas movie. And so that was a huge thing. Me and my family would always like watch ABC Family's 25 Days for Christmas. Um, But I think there's a real kind of spirit of Catholic culture in the positive sense that we are missing out on. Specifically, I, w- I was. I, you think back to like when you imagine like a village in France or like Italy back in the Middle Ages and stuff. And whenever a feast day or like their patron saint would, um, it, their their feast day would come around, like the whole village would celebrate. You know, like people would they would shut down work, they would go out to like the pub, there would be like feasting, there would be roasting of food of like all these things, and everybody would be together, um, celebrating this intentional this intentional day that belongs to the church and that belongs to God. And if we only are celebrating up to the feast day and not just after the feast day, it, it almost seems like to me that there's all this anticipation. It happens. And then it's like, it happened. That's cool. You know, but like what it's, it's meant to like launch us into a season of celebration. It shouldn't be a celebrate season of celebration leading up to Christmas. Christmas should be the beginning of the celebration of Christ's birth for the next days. So we can like head into the new year with this new focus. And I think that's been one of the greatest gifts going into community life is now we have this, I, I have eight days that spending time with my brothers is helped. It helps me orient myself back to the mystery of the Lord that I'm supposed to be thinking about. And so it just, it just kind of properly orients everything rather than it just being this, this random celebration that ends in this kind of secular holiday where we open up gifts and everything. No, it's, it's an essential time of brotherhood to point me back to the Lord. And there is a, uh, there is a Christmas hymn, the 12 days of Christmas, where the gifts are extended from the traditional celebration of the nativity on the 25th all the way to January 6th. Um, when Jesus himself receives the gifts from the Magi. And those 12 days of Christmas um, kind of uh, still indicate in secular culture the the prolongation of Christmas um, beyond Christmas Day. Uh, the rest of the world, as Brother Peter was indicating, seems to stop celebrating Christmas 
on the 26th. Catholics are just getting warmed up and starting to celebrate Christmas on the 25th and 26th. And so wishing people Merry Christmas um, kind of confuses some people in the stores. But there's this, um, there's this overflow from the way we live Christmas at home into, into the ways we interact, whether, whether we're going to a store or going, to, uh, uh, going out to dinner on some gift cards or something, that there is this, um, we're just getting started with Christmas. And we have, we have prepared for Christmas, but we haven't celebrated Christmas all month. It's almost as if people are almost sick of Christmas by the time Christmas comes around. Um, we're hungry for Christmas on the 25th and ready to begin celebrating you know, in the, in the days and weeks ahead. So, um, so yes, it's a, it's a great blessing to begin the Christmas te- season and extend it uh, together as a community, but also with those other families that... Uh, uh, that we overlap with um, in Denver. And that's probably a good segue into the last question, which is, do you, what counsel would you guys give to families or to, to lay people in regard to incorporating an octave into the schedule of their family's life and celebrations? Uh, I don't remember exactly how many years ago that we decided to stay at home during the octave of Christmas but it was such a shift in mentality of we would celebrate Christmas, I remember, years ago, and then kind of onward to the next ministry thing or obligation that we had. It was like life returned to normal. But that sense of not going anywhere, but just staying at home and enjoying each other's company and doing things enjoyable that we don't ordinarily take time to do, set about a... uh, almost like this understanding of we can just be with each other and celebrate and that is enough. I don't have to go anywhere else in order to celebrate. I don't have to go and look forward to the next thing that I have to do, but I can just be with my brothers and celebrate right then and there. And I think that's been uh, just a tremendous gift. I, I think it would be a gift for families to know that reality. Of we don't have to go somewhere in order to celebrate. We don't have to necessarily change a ton, but just kind of be intentional with their time um, and be together. One of the things I've, I've done sporadically over the last couple of years is get extra small gifts to be opened like in the subsequent days of Christmas, that there would be small surprises, you know, um, that, uh, that the uh, men could unwrap. Um, and so, uh, um, and so the 12 days of Christmas, I mean, if there are different gifts on those 12 days, it seems to me that, uh, that spreading Christmas out with, you know, maybe fewer gifts on Christmas Day, but then um, the, the same amount of gifts just spread over, you know, a number of days, uh, and then rather than just kind of like opening everything all at once, maybe spreading the gifts out helps to sustain Christmas. And, and I know another family that um, actually begins celebrating Christmas on Christmas Day, but I think their gift giving happens on Epiphany. And what that does is it just gives the, uh, the, the, the family a, another sense of anticipation that we're not done yet, but that God has more. God has more in the incarnation. He has more in the nativity. He has more at epiphany. And that more is what we are seeking to both receive, respond to, and, and participate in um, over the days of Christmas. Something that I just feel like somebody's like waiting for us to say is like, but what about prayer, you know? Like, what, what am I supposed to pray differently? And I'm like, yes, that, okay, yes. Like, that's normally, like, what we're orienting towards um, within Catholic churches. Like, what exercises can I do to enter into this season? 
Um, what sacrifices can I do to enter into this season? What things can I read? What videos can I watch? What things practically, what can I do to grow in my faith during this season? And I think that's a good intentionality. Um, but also like as Catholics in the best sense, we need to learn how to party again. We need to learn like actually how to enter into celebration and not just focus on, um, the structure regimented pious thing. Like what would be in my mind, the more noble thing to do in this situation and if we immediately think it's that I, I need to go to the church and pray every night for eight days, that's a great sacrifice. But you can also be with the Lord and celebrate with the Lord and celebrate his coming into this earth with your family every single night for eight days. And that's just as holy. That's just as sacred. And it's very, it's, it's, it, it speaks to something of the human nature if that, if that like resonates in your heart of like, oh, that sounds great right now. You know, like that actually sounds enjoyable. It's like, okay, well, them push into that and i think too if we if we regain that that spirit of joy celebration festivity partying um there is a great opportunity for creativity and intentionality with our faith in a unique way that not many families are examples of in our culture today it's it's it is it is more abnormal than normal to see families going out of their way to plan like so one of the ideas that i had like what can a family do for eight days is if okay maybe i can't get off of work so now i can't do an octave it's like no we'll make it clear for the family for eight nights in a row we're gonna have family night and we're gonna do something intentional together you know so i i didn't even have pinterest i didn't have facebook or anything i just came up with just typing out like six ideas of like you can do um game night you can do caroling night you can do christmas movie night you can do a night where you sit around with your family and you share favorite stories from the past year um you can do a night where you drive around and look at christmas lights that would be like one of my favorite things to do that would be awesome um and then lastly, also like, okay, I want a spirit of intentionality with prayer. Like, okay, then have a night where your family all goes to adoration together, you know, and then you pray through the Christmas story together while you're at adoration or something, you know, just, just simple ways of taking initiative as parental figures to set the example for my kids or even taking the initiative for my roommates of like, hey, what do y'all think about like trying this out for um, this year of actually like celebrating the full Easter season? And you're going to grow in community and closeness and it's going to be enjoyable. It doesn't just have to be sacrifice all the time. There should be uh, a natural joy that arises as well. I think what's unique with anticipating the Christmas season, obviously, as Father John mentions, there's so many uh, smells and sights associated with the Christmas season. One of the big ones, of course, is the Christmas tree. I think there's always tension uh, for Catholics because it's always this like question, when is the appropriate time to put up a Christmas tree? Uh, what we do is we usually get a tree sometime in the Advent season, depending on when we can find it that's the cheapest. So sometimes that's been December 24th, and other times that's been um, weeks leading up to it. But we usually will put out the tree, have it there, but not decorate it until the 24th. Um, that is that here is this symbol of Christmas, and it's there, but it's not kind of fully decorated or fully celebrated but it's kind of anticipating the season that's coming, which is just a great uh, visual reminder and, and a gift and a blessing of just realizing the tree. And it's something that we'll do together as a community of decorate the tree, which is always fun. So another idea that I had um, for families is, especially like we know a lot of families that have six kids. We know at least three or four families that have six kids. And if you have six kids, that means there's eight people in your family, which is perfect for this idea. 
And so if you just went through a, a season of generous abstinence and generous penance, then um, what a better way to start to end the year, like talking about Christmas right now, ending the year by saying like, okay, every single night, one person in the family, what's your favorite meal? Now we're all going to gather together and we're going to cook it and we're going to make it together. And so there is one, a reclaiming of the... Um, kind of things that we, we were sacrificing for the Lord and delighting in them. But you're not also, you're not just delighting them just for yourself. You're delighting them as a community. And that'd be a great way to spend eight days leading into the new year, doing that of celebration in a very intentional way as well. Just to piggyback off of brother Peter, one thing that we've done a, a couple of times during the octave of Christmas is every servant would plan a different day of the octave. So basically there's like a small budget and this is where we're going to go to lunch and this is what we're going to do in the afternoon and this is where we're going to go to dinner. And that way there's kind of this, like someone's taking the lead and showing the initiative as well as it's uh, surprising because you never know what people are going to come up with. I remember one year a servant like had this whole, we're going to team up with another servant and we're going to have this competition throughout the day um, and different things, whether it was putt-putt or playing board games or something else. And it was just a, a really enjoyable day that took some intentionality. I think it's something that, that families could certainly do of having a different member of the family plan the day. So that's not all on the parents to like figure everything out. Well, one of the great things about the octaves is that um, you can just surrender to the octaves and let the octaves happen. Um, especially if you're, if you're uh, praying with the liturgies of the church, uh, the masses, the hymns and the liturgy of the hours are all um just kind of like spiritual reinforcements with the octave of Easter, the Alleluia is repeated so many times. And, um, and the Gloria, as uh, Father James noted, is, is kind of uh, new and fresh and, and uh, persistent during the octave um, of Christmas. And so there's just this, uh, when, we, when, we, when we attend to the liturgy, the liturgy kind of carries us and there's a, kind of almost a cessation of having to work at it because there's such a uh, uh, such a language of joy, such a language of celebration, uh, such a language of glory in the octaves that uh, as we enter into the liturgical dimensions of the octaves, we're not having to work um, at penance or or striving. We just kind of let the liturgies kind of carry us um, spiritually um, while we're entering into kind of the activation of the of the feasting um, of the season. So, so I just give great thanks for our church that uh, that kind of carries us, um, especially in the se- seasons of celebration, and uh, and that just overflows into our personal prayer as well as our uh, uh, communal celebrations. That uh, that God has given us a church that really confronts us with seasons of of conversion and repentance, like Advent and Lent. But then the church has liturgies that just carry us along through the uh, through the octaves of Easter and Christmas. Excellent. Well, thank you, Father John, Father James, and Brother Peter for sharing your reflections today on the Christmas and Easter octaves of the Servants of Christ Jesus. As always, you can learn more about the Servants of Christ Jesus, as well as find podcast episodes, homilies, and talks from the Servants at scjesus.org. Thank you, Servants. Thank you, Ed. Merry Christmas. Thanks, Ed. Thank you, Edward. Thank you, Edward.